Hey brother Brother dog Know me Understand Welcome to the Sargasm Podcast. I'm Robbie Thigpen. I'm Francesca Elmer. And I am Mar Fernandez. And we are your hosts for today. And we are going to share with you the latest ideas and concepts about sargassum and sargassum beaching events, which have become an international challenge. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to another afternoon's wonderful entertainment with the Sargassum Podcast crew. My name is Robbie Thigpen, and I'm one of the support actors today. And and but don't worry, we're going to come up real quick with uh, one of Francisca's favorite topics: sargassum. I want to introduce you to Francisca, Mar, and Andres today. We're gonna and we're gonna have a jolly good time. We're gonna get started right now. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Um, to get started today, uh, I wanted to talk with um, Robbie and Mar, and also Andres a bit. But first, with Robbie and Mar about the words we use in the podcast. So we got an email from Emma Doyle. So anybody can always email us. But Emma, she has actually been doing science communication on sargassum way before the three of us even started working on sargassum. And back then, they have become, they wanted to make sure that people are using the right words. And as we know, sometimes if you use the wrong words, um, and you do come um, science communication, then, then the public will understand things wrongly. So they didn't want sargassum to be viewed only negative because at the end, sargassum is an algae. It's, it's neutral, it's just a living being. So when they were talking about the great um, Atlantic sargassum belt, the beaching events or the, the, yeah, the, the sargassum getting on shore, they would always talk about sargassum influx because they're saying, well, a bit of sargassum, how it was naturally before it escaped the sargasso sea, that was not the problem. The problem was that is this influx that there's a lot of sargassum right now. So Robbie and Mar, what do you think about this, about this wording? I think it's really important. And actually that comes back to the, the interview we had a few weeks ago with the Sargasso Sea Commission. That is very important to actually differentiate between the sargassum that was growing originally in the Sargasso Sea and the one that actually escaped the Sargasso Sea and is now creating a problem. And it's true because all of them are called the same, right? Everything is Sargassum is the same algae, although different species sometimes, um, but we call it in general Sargassum. And it's true that then sometimes we might be implying that Sargassum is a negative thing because of course, when it reaches the beach, it might be a negative thing. Um, but sargassum itself is not a negative thing. So I think it's a good idea to actually define very clearly, okay, the sargassum influx can have these negative impacts, but actually sargassum itself, as you said, is just a beautiful algae. Yeah, and, and, and as you all know, I'm all about some clear communication. And you know, when we first started doing that, one of the, the big uh, things I like to point out was that we need to talk about the importance of this ecosystem in its natural state, because that's an important thing, and we didn't want to denigrate that. And I'll see. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. 
definitely. And is there anything else that happened this week that you want to tell us about? Well, I think there's quite some development in the Caribbean. Martinique has a lot of sargassum on its coast right now. I've seen the footage from um, like drones going over it and it's just, I don't know. I've never seen something like that before. And St. Vincent um, this morning at 4 a.m. just had its third eruption of its volcano and they are having um, rivers that are boiling hot. They have lava flowing down. They have ash clouds which go all the way to Barbados. There's The, the clouds are actually raining down little stones from the volcano. So there, a lot of people have been evacuated. As far as I know, no lives have lo been lost before until now, but this may be going on for several months. Wow. I mean, just for our listeners today, when we're recording this podcast, it's the 12th of April. Um, maybe you're listening to this podcast later on. And so just so that you know, that's, that's when we are talking about these eruptions in St. Vincent. And I think it would be, we talked about this briefly yesterday, I think it would be super interesting to see what the effect of these ashes are on the floating sargassum close to St. Vincent, to see if that actually makes it grow less because of light um, limitation, or if it actually enhances its growth through some nutrient uh, input. So yeah, if there's anyone out there, just go, go out and do some studies. <laughs> if you can. Okay, so today we welcome to our podcast Andres Bisonó-Leon. He's the CEO and co-founder of SOS Carbon. He's from the Dominican Republic and studied mechanical engineering and finance at Drexel University in Philadelphia in the US. He later joined New Hudson Facades, having an impact through the company trajectory, leading projects totaling worth more than $173 million, wow. And then SOS Carbon started as an R&D based uh, MIT project in 2018. And after successfully validating the technologies and system that he's gonna talk about today, um, the team developed a spin-off project. And SOS Carbon is an environmental service company whose mission is to provide the most cost-effective and responsible solutions for sargassum collection and disposal. SOS Carbon efforts have also focused on acting as liaison between government agencies, private sector, academic institutions, and countries across the Caribbean, with the goal to join forces to effectively compact the problem. So welcome, Andres. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Mar, Fran, and Robbie for having me. Thank you, Mar, for that kind introduction. And yeah, super eager to talk about, you know, this common uh, topic that joins us all, unluckily for us in the Caribbean. But as you said earlier, uh, it also has a, you know, a good picture to it, which we also have to keep in mind and, and have present when creating technologies, putting, you know, in work technologies or systems to combat sargassum or not just only sargassum, but the entire ecosystem Uh, leaving around it. Excellent, Andres. Thank you for uh, joining us today. I, uh, I want to hear more about sargassum in the Dominican Republic, and I, I look forward to doing that. We all 
ways to ask, start, start our interviews with one question and because everybody's relationship is different and everybody's view is different and everybody feels differently about sargassum. And also what I'd like to start off with is tell us, share with us if you would, what sargassum means to you personally. Yeah, that's a very good question. And I think it just relates back to the, to the intro that I just mentioned. Uh, directly answering that, I think that has been uh, something that has been evolving across time. When I started working on the, uh, around sargassum, and as I said, developing the different technologies, it was more just a problem. Problem that we lived in the DR, problem that was affecting the, the entire Caribbean. As I studied it more, then it was you know, a problem directly to tourism. Then as I studied more, a problem also directly to the environment. And, but now, and recently, you know, our focus have been, and our philosophy is how to visualize a problem and turn it to, so that we can turn it into benefit. And the, that's basically what has driven us to create and put into work the different systems and technologies that we have created. Uh, and again, and now, if you ask me nowadays, how you see sargassum or what it means to me, is kind of a matter or, you know, something in the sea that we can take advantage from. Uh, you know, it's not just the problem as most of us see it in the Caribbean, but now it's something that we can utilize to create greater value, a chain of value. So you just talked to us about how your view on sargassum changed over time. And um, I know that when sargassum started coming to the Caribbean, you were actually based in the US, but I assume you went back to the DR to see family and friends. Um, can you tell us why and when did you start becoming interested in making engineering solutions for those massive beaching events of sargassum? Awesome. So I always, as you all said, I was, I spent the last 10 years in Philadelphia uh, working as a mechanical engineer and understanding the skill set that I developed as an engineer, I thought, you know, I could uh, put that to work to create different technology systems to, as again, kind of us, the, the engineers are trained to visualize a problem and create a solution. And again, with that skill set, and even better with the network and with the team that you can form so that you can unite forces and implement something greater, uh, you know, develop greater things. I reach out to a friend at MIT and I presented to him for what at that time meant for me a problem. And kind of also going back, you know, why my interest in sargassum at that point, not just visualizing my skill set on how I could create a, a, an array of technologies to, to turn that into a benefit, but also a way how I could give back. Living in the US, I was, you know, very distant from my home country, just, you know, visiting family and, you know, taking advantage of the great beaches that we had at that time or that we currently have. But hopefully, you know, sargassum will not keep damaging them. Uh, but again, a way of me giving back to the DR and to the entire Caribbean 
That's what caught my attention into sargassum. And that's really my passion today. Because if you ask me if I like sargassum, no, I do not like it. Uh, <laughs> but I do like, you know, giving back and keep, you know, utilizing and, and putting to work our technologies to, to solve what it, for, you know, a problem that it creates in the Caribbean. Nice. And so you mentioned your colleague, Alexander Slokum from MIT. Can you tell us a bit about how you met him and how you started working with him on this? Yeah, so our relation goes back, uh, you know, more than just when we started working on, on developing these technologies back in 2018. Uh, I initially reached out to him in undergrad, uh, seeing an interest in the, work, in the work that he was doing. He was working in, in many and big environmental issues uh, globally. For example, in 2010, the oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico. And he worked for the DOE in the United States to develop a solution to close that hole on the bottom of the ocean and prevent more leakage of oil. So looking his involvement in an array of, you know, deploying, creating uh, big solutions for uh, worldwide environmental problems and his vision and philosophy on how to visualize a problem and turning it that into benefit. Again, not just solving the problem, but taking that problem and converting it into a benefit really caught my attention. And um, I, in my early stage as an engineer, I bothered him so much that I think I started liking him. I gave him no option. So back in uh, 2018, uh, early in January, this was January, I invited him to the DR to speak about renewable energy and medical devices, which are other two fields that he works on. And, you know, kind of coincidence, by coincidence, that same year, it was, as you, may, as you remember, or as you know, the, the biggest sargassum influx in the Caribbean. Uh, or biggest invasion in the Caribbean. And, you know, I came back to him and said, hey, this was just a coincidence that you were in the DR. You saw how beautiful our beaches are, but check this image, you know, now we basically have no beaches, like, or this will be a threat down the line. Uh, what do you think? Let's start working on it. And yeah, indeed, we, you know, uh, brought on board my co-founder looked great and we started working on developing the different technologies that we now offer nice nice that's that's a nice little story um can you tell us a little bit about how the dr has uh, been impacted by sargassum influx what you know where is it usually hit where does it hit the hardest and uh, some of these other issues, whether it's just it being stinky stuff or whether it's actually, you know, causing bigger problems than how does it affect the, uh, the fishery there? Yeah, so the sargassum gets to the east portion of the island and the south, like the bottom portion of the island, uh, you know, by also kind of coincidence and sadly, it affects the major tourism spot in the DR called Punta Cana. Most people even think that the DR is just Punta Cana. So 
maybe let's, you know, that will resonate a little bit better. And, you know, sadly, we cannot just move that entire hotel chunk and move it somewhere else. Um, so one is affecting greatly the tourism industry because the tourism not only, you know, sell the, the experience of the hotel itself, but their biggest asset are the beaches. If you don't have no beach, there is no tourism industry, at least in the Caribbean. So again, the, the tourism has been greatly impacted. Back in 2019, we were with the uh, min, uh, tourism ministry in Jamaica. He invited us to present our technologies and he mentioned, sorry. And he mentioned that, that the tourism industry in the Caribbean have been reducing by 35% each year. And he said that each year they have an approximate number that the Caribbean has been spending $120 million per year on ineffective cleanup costs. Or so again, those are just two big numbers on how to take into account or to take into account how just the one industry has been affected by the problem. Now going into the environmental effects, as we know, and this is something obviously our friends here, Mar and Fran and, and yourself, Robbie, can jump in because I, I think it has been kind of the same uh, effect Caribbean wide, not just in the in the DR, uh, but it has been affecting you know local ecosystem. It has been affecting fishes. It has been affecting turtles. Once once they kind of grow from their you know they're born and they try to go you know into the ocean, we have seen that they get trapped around the sargassum, right? So again, sargassum at least in the Caribbean. It has been representing a, a problem into many, many areas. Wow. Well, I'll uh, be embarrassed and honest with you. I actually thought Punta Cana was in the Caymans. I, I didn't think it was. I didn't <laughs> think it was your country, but I thought it was in a different country. And, Thank uh, you then for clarifying that to our listeners. You know that way, yeah. you know we can make that relation, and we don't. Yeah. Well. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't mind looking foolish as long as everybody's laughing with me and not at me, at all. But um, I'd like to follow up my question with something since your country shares an island with another country, Haiti. I'm, I'm wondering from the way you describe that, is Haiti being spared from these sargassum events because you guys are catching it all, or, or do you have any idea about that? I know that Haiti has been, you know, and also given their. The, the shape of the country, they're probably also experiencing the sargassum influx. To be honest, I'm not 100% if where sargassum gets stuck or hits the most, it's also their kind of prime spot in tourism. Uh, and that's the thing, you know, I think a lot of people are paying attention into sargassum because of what it represents to tourism, which is bad. But we need to take into in mind that it affects even more a bigger portion of the coastline to local villages and just to mangroves ecosystems that we also need to consider. And that's why we have been promoting our you know uh, 
low scale or sorry, our low capital, uh, easy to scale technology using artisanal boats, because we can even take those villages that, you know, depend on the coast for them to work and clean their areas. And that way, you know, we can uh, alleviate the problem, not only on the, the tourism side, but in the entire island that is, that is affected by the problem. Nice, thank you. Yeah, yeah we, we need to see this as a bigger picture. All too many times we uh, seem to, people seem to be focusing on just the impacts on tourism, but mm -hmm. uh, the, you know, hurry mangrove ecosystem, every commercially important marine species spends one phase of its life in these mangrove mangroves. And, and they're very important to the fishery, to, to, to a healthy fishery. Uh, everybody says, oh, you throw a picture of Nemo up on the wall. Everybody, oh yeah, we need to protect the reefs. But if we don't protect the mangroves, it'll be devastating to the entire system and the reefs as well. So thank you. Yeah, and no, same, thank you. the same for seagrass beds. And yeah, I think we have talked about it in the podcast before. It's like, if the sargassum hits a beach that doesn't have people or doesn't have tourism, does the sargassum beaching event happen? Or is it like, you know, the, if a tree falls in the, in the forest and nobody's there to hear it, um, is the tree falling? That's kind of the same, same kind of concept. But yes, I think we all have to start focusing on the areas that aren't infect, affecting tourism, especially the ones who are affecting local communities because it can be a health mm -hmm. hazard and a big environmental hazard as well. Um, but um, Andres, let's start talking about something more positive. Um, so the first project SOS Carbon worked on was actually looking at carbon sequestration out of sargassum. Can you tell us a bit about what you did and how your field test went? Yeah, thank you. So first of all, SOS Carbon, stands for sargassum ocean sequestration of carbon. So that, that's how we came up with that name. It's not just, you know, kind of help for carbon, but it's really also very tied interwined to the, the specific activity and technology that we were kind of born of and, and that we started looking at. So back in 2018, when we started working on this, we were evaluating an array of technologies to develop. And as I said, uh, that was the biggest year that the Caribbean experienced a big influx. And until that time, you know, volumes were kind of moderate and, you know, there, it was very cyclical around the year, even though that, that, that time lapse has been very defined in a way, but it has been very cyclical, at least to that point. And we, Set, like kind of long story short after evaluating different options, but long story short, we said, if we go with a collection technology, what are we going to do with that sargassum inlet? Because we realized at that point as well, that sargassum contains other minerals, metals, heavy metals, uh, that it could damage or create a bigger impact if taken to land. So we said, okay, how we can create a sustainable ecosystem business. Again, if we take it inland because it requires processing and then it requires a, a product to be created out of it. And at that time we said, we don't want to you know, get on that track. 
and we started working on the open ocean technology with the benefit added, as you pointed out, Fran, uh, of carbon sequestration. And after, you know, uh, almost two years working on developing smaller scale pilots, we were ready to launch our full scale pilot and we use a DR Navy vessel and with the sponsorship of not just, you know, the backing of MIT, but also the sponsorship of local institutions from the private sector in the DR and, and you know, local agencies, we were able to validate that full scale technology. Obviously that goes in hand with further development of satellite tracking to guide our fleet. That goes also in line with further studies of what happens in the seabed and things like that, that we are very conscious of. And we want to keep working, collaborating with the experts on those areas to fully understand, you know, when we get to run our, our open ocean technology uh, at scale, you know, at greater volumes to study all the different effects, perhaps doing it in a local area, like in a centralized spot so that we can focus our efforts just there, study what happens there and then keep moving on. Um, so kind of with that said, then we transition and we're now focusing on the collection method using artisanal boats, also understanding the development that other experts make on processing and valor valorization. And regarding the carbon sequestration trials that you did, what were the problems that you were facing or what are the hurdles of actually using sargassum for carbon sequestration? Well, uh, the, the, horror, the, the problem itself is, is not around the technology because we were able to prove the successful uh, usage of that technology to sink sargassum and, and you know, to do it at large quantities. I think like moving down the line, it goes in hand with what I just mentioned, really, you know, bringing a team of experts together to really understand what happens at larger scale when that technology is used. Also to do the, car the proper carbon uh, accounting, even though we have done it already, you know, as a preliminary, you know, study, obviously what drove us to implement that or to develop that technology at such scale was understanding that carbon accounting, that carbon accounting that sargassum contains a different species and to understand that we were really sec uh, sequestering a positive amount of carbon, meaning that our system wasn't going to require more energy than what we were going to sequester. So we were able to validate all that and the efficiency of our system itself uh, and everything around the system and, and the technology. But again, there are other areas that need further development and understanding. Very nice. Let me follow up a little bit. One of the things you said really piqued my interest. Um, you, you know, you, you, you justified that you're, you know, uh, you tested that you're, um, takes less carbon to do what you're doing than you're sequestering. And uh, we don't hear that a lot. That's a very important statement. What what percentage of, of that do you see as uh, what is your uh, percent of uh, I guess gain or or maybe uh, loss of carbon 
uh, is that between your t the technology you're using and, and the amount of carbon you actually sequester? Yeah, the, the ratio that we, you know, uh, can eliminate like from energy usage to um, CO2 sequestration, like or CO2 generation to CO2 sequestration is from five to 11. Very nice, thank you. Of course. That's very cool. And how were you able to verify that the carbon is actually getting to depth or how much is getting to depth? Like, did you get a camera all the way down there or how do you know that it actually goes all the way down? Yeah, so from our early pilots, we did, you know, consider all those factors in order to determine that critical depth that we needed to pump sargassum for it to keep sinking. So we did a study of, you know, sinking sargassum with uh, submersible cameras. We did studies putting sargassum at pressure in the labs to understand also like at what point undersea the sargassum was going to keep sinking or and the bubbles were going to like burst. Uh, so we did a bunch of studies, but that goes also in hand with uh, other development that needs to be happen, you know, that needs to happen with tracking sargassum for a longer period of time as it stays down in the bottom. So we're, we're also conscious of that. And, and again, that's why we keep working with different teams uh, as we, you know, during all the stages that we have been at, because I think it's not just a team of engineers putting, creating those technologies, but it also goes in hand with other experts that will help us create the best system, the best system to manage the sargassum problem. I think like from I've, what I've heard um, out there also from other companies is that one of the big issues about doing carbon sequestration in the ocean is that there's not really a market out there yet for these blue carbon certificates. What's your experience with that? Yes, indeed. That's one of the drawbacks that we have seen also in terms, not just the market, but also in terms of the prices. Uh, you know, the prices perhaps are not big enough to, to fund the operation directly. Now, I, I think given the, the economics on the impact sargassum does to the tourism industry and to the environment, if you put those two together, then you know, we can combine the different things to make it sustainable across and to I'll reduce the pressure on the tourism industry. Because indeed, yes, they, they are, you know, the economic impact that sargassum is creating to them is great. And we need to understand that as well. But they also need to understand that they need to come forward. They need to come forward and pay for different services, te technology systems. Because again, let me address or bring up again the, this point. They are already suffering from tourism loss and from paying uh, cleanup costs when the sargasso make landfalls that is greater than paying for these type of services. So we need to have that in mind. Going back to the carbon market, we have seen that there are a lot of people nowadays uh, voluntarily paying 
for carbon sequestration. Like when they take flights, even the airlines are offering, you know, kind of a scheme to pay for kind of reducing your uh, carbon footprint of traveling and so on. So I think we can, you know, one way to, to launch this and start implementing uh, what we're doing through that, you know, carbon sequestration path will be partnering with these type of companies that we can offer voluntarily uh, methods to sequester while also bringing again, tourism and environmental benefits to the people that are traveling to the Caribbean. Yeah, I think it's also important for our listeners to realize that if the sargassum actually uh, ends on the beach, it has two impacts in terms of producing actually more CO2 and releasing it to the atmosphere. One is when it destroys the whole coastal vegetation, like we talked before, mangroves or corals or seagrass, then of course all that CO2 is released to the atmosphere. And the second one is that if the sargassum is collected on land and disposed on land, it will again decompose into the atmosphere and be a CO2 emitter. So actually thinking it before it reaches the coast is, is a way to turn turn it the other way around and make it into a net sink of CO2 like trees on land, right? Thank you, Mark, for making that clarification very important for everyone else. Yeah, we, we didn't mention it before. Thanks. Yeah, and, and with respect to Mark's point, I think we mentioned this briefly before, but when those systems, coastal systems collapse, so does the fishery. And all, and and so we always, we never need to forget that important point, and all. So thank you for that. Um, um, anyway, um, you know, you're 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 working on different engineering solutions, and all, and and you know, essentially a littoral collection module that can be adding to any fishing boat. Um, and so what are the benefits of this type of collection method compared to currently used collection and disposal methods? Yeah. So. It's good to clarify or make a distinction when you say currently use uh, disposal method because those will refer really to when sargassum makes landfall, right? Uh, when it makes landfall, when it invades the beaches and there's kind of no way around but just kind of taking it with heavy machinery, which is terrible for the beach environment and for the beach itself because you're taking a bunch of sand. Uh, you know, hotels just have that in mind, but that's another economic cost to them uh, if they damage the beach, the beach itself. That that will be one method or to compare it with. The other method to or technology to compare our system is with the current currently used conveyor system, right? So that that conveyor system has been kind of greatly seen as a one to go. In, to fight the sargassum when still in the water, in, in near shore. Uh, so our littoral collection system or LCM, as you well said, Robbie, uh, it can mount on any artisanal fishing boat. And that way, you know, without any need of modification, we can start collecting sargassum right away. And, you know, given how available the artisanal fishing boats are across the Caribbean, this is a great tool to reach scale that we need to cover the entire Caribbean, all the coasts that 
are affected by sargassum landfall. So that's one of the greatest benefits, scalability. The second one is uh, price. The, the low capex goes in hand with the low opex. You know, these machine, again, again, given how, um, how um, moderate they are in terms of size mechanism, you know, it's very robust and requires a low opex to put together the operation. The other thing is the community integration. Again, we're bringing on board here and we are creating a platform for formal employment to the local fishermen. What happens uh, to the local fishermen? They're not only affected by sargassum, but these uh, people are an informal, it is an informal economy. And that means that they need to go fishing. And most of the time they, they need to fish whatever they see, even though maybe a species will be in threat or there is like a warning sign for, you know, to not fish that fish given the, the season or what have you. But these local guys, you know, they don't have anything else. So they need to go fishing. And that's one of the benefits here because we're giving formal employment to this community that otherwise will kind of kill that ecosystem because they don't have anything else to eat or to sustain their families. So that's another benefit, that social impact that we're bringing. And kind of the last to mention another side that, you know, why use the use of our technology for a collection mechanism? It's not just the capacity that competes with the conveyor belts, but when there is no sargassum season, we can just take out our hardware, unmount it, and use those boats for either fishing or any other thing. Same with our open ocean technology. That's one of the things we, we had in mind when designing these hardwares, that we can give different usage to these systems when there is no sargassum. And just to, also to mention kind of a, a, give you an insight on one of the other things that we're exploring with our hardware is for uh, collecting water hyacin, hyacin, uh, hyacin wheat in, in rivers and trash. Uh, here, as you may know in the DR, pollution is uh, crazy. And, you know, I think we, we already did a preliminary pilot and it works great for collecting this type of wheat and trash. So again, we can use a, the same mechanism year round, no matter of the sargassum season. Excellent, thank you for that wonderful answer. I'd like to uh, also congratulate you on your, your, your thought process about the needs and perspectives of the local fishermen, especially during all season. Um, that's, and, and, and creating a, a, a tool that will provide for them because you know, no matter what anybody said, like you, like you were saying about it, they, they're gonna go out and catch what they have to because no matter what happens, basically the rest of the year, when a child says, daddy, I'm hungry, it doesn't matter if it's the last fish of that species, they're gonna feed their child. And exactly. that's too often ignored. So thank you so much for taking that into consideration in your project. That's so very important. Thank um, you. And I wanna get back to local communities or stay, stay with the local communities while we're talking about that. Um, so has, has a fisherman really picking up on this thing? Wanting to add this stuff to their 
their uh, to their repertoire of income? And um, and, and how did you uh, how do you plan to approach them in the future to to get more of this done? That's a wonderful question because obviously there will be no system or no operation if there is no fishermen or if the people in the local communities do not accept or see the benefit of what we're putting together, right? It has to go hand in hand and all the different gears of the system work together, move together. So that's a great question. Uh, let me share that since our early stage back in 2018, as I described working at MIT, at that time I was still in Philadelphia and I met a wonderful group of fishermen who also happened to be divers and happened to provide maintenance to barriers in Punta Cana. And I developed such a close relation that I got to the point that I was calling them on the phone to do tests and them filming stuff to like understand like what happened when sargassum rots, what happened if sargassum sinks, I was doing it remotely. And these people nowadays not only understand what we're doing with the LCM, the collection system, but what we're trying to do in general. And I think that's, you know, uh, that has been a great uh, experience. And it also has given me a great, you know, visualization on what the community is looking for because they're open to opportunities. Again, these are guys that are hungry, they're hungry. And if we're giving them true opportunities to integrate the community to for formal employment in which that we can provide them health insurance and integrate them again into that greater vision of what we're doing as a team, they feel, they feel part of, and trust me, they have been integrating in, in a great way. And they have been amazing because again, given our stage as a startup, as a given our stage trying to make the tourism industry resonate re, uh, or analyze really the impact that sargassum has been creating to them. Given our stage of us making the governments understand how these technologies can alleviate the pressure that sargassum creates. It, we're not enemies here, but all the, all the opposite, we're trying to work together to create a benefit. These fishermen folks have stayed with us all the way, supporting us and being there, uh, letting us know, hey, we're here ready. Hey, if you need to do like a demo, just call us. I can call them one day before. We're ready to do a demo right away. So they have been amazing. Wow, this is just wow. Um, you know, um, I primarily work with the indigenous peoples and, and, the, and the Creole peoples of the Western Caribbean and all. And and these people, they know their ecosystem well. They got thousands of years of peer review supporting their ecological knowledge system. And just like us, you know, the sargass, we're adding to that our knowledge every day with plastics and, you know, and what that's doing to the environment, we're adding to our knowledge. Um, where with climate change, we're adding to our knowledge. And these things are really been escaping because that's not a part of their ecological knowledge system. And they, like us, want to understand this more. They see their ecosystems not working like they used to, and they want to know why. 
And mm -hmm. when we include them in our research, as opposed to using them for our research, that makes all the difference in the world. And you just explained that so clearly. And thank you. I just, just thank you so much for, for that. That's the best answer thank I've you. ever heard at all. Thank you so much. Yes, that sounds really, really cool. Um, I one question I have about this new system, like how much does it cost to outfit one boat with the with this LCM model? Yeah, so the cost itself depends given the area of the Caribbean that we're talking about. Also because of you know taking shipping into account and a couple different factors, but in general what we have estimated, if we take into account the boat, the motor and uh, our hardware, we're talking about $30,000 in, in average. So again, it depends on a couple of factors, but in average, that, that's kind of the, the total. US dollars? Yes. And that already in that includes the boat and the motor. So if you already have the boat and the motor, it will be a lot cheaper. It, Exactly. Exactly. What? What? Uh, so, I'm not including. So, so if, if you if you come to a fisherman who already has a, a, a setup to, for fishing, what does it cost to add one of these uh, products to the boat? Yeah, that stage where again also understanding what will be the best way to incorporate it, because to your question, we're not really trying to offer it to the fisher fishermen directly because then we will kind of lose that formal employment platform uh, we're not trying to create kind of an uber style we're really more kind of as at sos for example in the dr and punta cana we're focusing for us to have our own fleet and our employees being fishermen in the caribbean in other islands what we're trying to do is partnering with local entrepreneurs or local governments for them to also manage that platform because again Excellent. if not if we just give this hardware even if we give it for free not matter the cost at this point then we're losing that formal employment platform no excellent i think that's a wonderful strategy um still what we were uh, i'm trying to i think Fran was trying to get at is what what does this unit cost per boat to, to so, manufacture yeah. To also, what, what, what is the added cost of the you know of the of the boat? Just the hardware. Yeah, just the hardware. So I I will insist that also it depends again not only because of oh, yeah. the volume that you will might purchase, but we're talking around ten k. Okay. Thank you. U.S. dollars. Yeah, that's very reasonable. Um, my last question is, and this is a question that you know, especially marine biologists always worry about is bycatch. So if you're catching, if you're going out in those um, sargassum um, influxes, there may be animals living in there. Sometimes there are, sometimes there aren't. Do either of your en engineering solutions actually have any bycatch? Have you looked at this at all? Yes, that's a great question and one one area that again we give great importance because again at the end of the day we're just trying to protect the ecosystem right we're trying to alleviate the pressure that sargassum invasions is creating 
in that ecosystem. So up to now, we haven't had experienced any bycatch. That's something, again, we, we give a lot of uh, attention to. Uh, although, not to sound, you know, that I'm opposing to analyzing the, the bycatch or giving it importance to that area, because again, that's one of the biggest areas that we value. But I, I feel that I need to say that we need to understand the, and evaluate cost benefits and you know, advantages. Because if we, I, I think I was the other day in a call with Fran, and I'm not sure if you were the one that said this, but the, it, it stuck me. We cannot leave the, or we cannot try to create the perfect and leave in a side the good, right? Because then we're going to end without anything. And we're going to keep having that negative impact that sargassum creates. So in my view, again, we need to understand that sargassum is already killing a bunch of species. Once it rots, once it makes landfall, uh, totals, features, an array of different things as we have been mentioning across the, the call today. So again, I, I would insist that we cannot as environmentalists, engineers, uh, whatever our field is, I think we need to come forward and start implementing solutions because if not, we're leaving uh, the negative impact to keep working on, on itself. Definitely, I fully agree with you. And I think Fran and Robbie as well, that we need to look at what are the impacts of doing nothing and then compare them to the impacts of actually doing something and sometimes the benefits will speak by themselves. And even if there's a small bycatch, which doesn't seem to be the case with your technology, then it might be worth um, sacrificing that. But of course, yeah, it needs to be studied and needs to be quantified. And I guess exactly. what you're doing a very good job in keeping everything transparent and basically saying, okay, this is what we found. Actually, you have really nice uh, videos of your technologies on YouTube. So people can just check out how it works and, and then, yeah, see what yeah. actually happening, and why you do it. No, that's a great point, Mar, on exactly the analyzing portion, the quantification. And, and as I said earlier, we, we work hard on working with an array of experts. And we keep, you know, our, we still we present ties with MIT and with local universities. And we, in that call, not just to check, check up what we're doing, but also let me make a call to the community. We are bringing two engineers from MIT and we are you know, also collaborating with local universities to also understand, help us understand our benefits uh, and not just from an engineering perspective, but also overall of, again, our te technologies and what we're doing. And, and again, anyone that see us, and would like to make a comment or suggestion, or would like to work with us, just reach out. Uh, you can also check more about ourselves on social media at SOS Carbon or in our webpage, as Mar mentioned, in which we also have our contact information, soscarbon.com. And, and please re just reach out. That's excellent. Excellent. Excellent, thank you, Andres. We'll, we're going to include all that, all your uh, social media and contact information or uh, web pages in our uh, 
podcast review when we post it and all. And uh, we want to thank you for being here today. We want to we want to thank the Kimberly Green Latin American and Caribbean Center at Florida International University for uh, giving us uh, moral support and whatnot, and to helping us uh, get a, a U.S. Department of Education Title VI grant to support our work, our, our the podcast today. And of course, we want to thank our um, our, our, our interviewee today, Andres Bisogno Leon. And uh, man, I really appreciate your your responses where you included the social aspect of the implication of what you did. That's just, that was so important to me and you spoke to my heart in that. Thank you. Yeah. No, the, the, the contrary. Thank you also, not to mention the, the great work that you guys have been doing uh, in your separate efforts and also through the Sargassum podcast. I think it's also a great way of you know, creating conscious to people around us, to all the stakeholders, and also as a way to bring in together the community. So also thank you for that and all the energy that you put into such program. Uh, and again, we uh, here at SOS Carbon, we'll be more than happy to keep collaborating, work with new new group of people, new group of experts. And, and I think at the end of the day, joining forces will make us greater and will make us, you know, advance at the greater pace and put together the best system at the end of the day. United, we can change the world. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we wish you lots of success with your company, and we will for sure hear from you soon again. Awesome. Thank you. No, and, and, and when you see my company, it's not just my company, but again, there's a team behind, uh, as we have been mentioning throughout, you know, the, the conversation today and also uh, at the end of the day I, I like people to feel identified and integrated it's not just my company but it's more kind of what we're doing uh, through our platform so again thank you for the, the time awesome have a nice day Andres and thank you so much for your time thank you you too Hey, thanks for tuning in today and learning with us from our guest. If you want more information about what our guests talked about today, then, then check with our uh, show notes and links and information in our archives below. And don't forget to like and share our podcast with your friends. If you enjoyed our podcast, then please consider supporting us financially by becoming a Patreon. For as little as a dollar per month, you can support us and take part in an exclusive monthly Zoom meet and greet for Patreons where you can network with our podcast guests and other sargassum enthusiasts. The Sargassum Podcast is produced by Marine Conservation Without Borders and is made possible with financial support from the Kimberly Green Latin American and Caribbean Centers, U.S. Department of Education, Title VI grant. It is produced by Marcel van de Kamp and Francisca Elmer, and your hosts today were Robbie Tickpen, Francisca Elmer, and Mark Fernandez. We will be back next week with another exciting guest. The music of this podcast is from the song Dem A Pray by Drizzle Road Rana, an artist from Roatan. Follow him on Spotify or YouTube for more music. But for now, here is the full song Dem A Pray. Hey, brother. Hear me now. Brother, dog. Know me. Understand. For them no one to see we get nothing That's why they my free and always front and star Now for them no one to see we get nothing That's why they my free Now for them my free
them a free me no gain progress not for them a free them a free me no great success not for them a free them a free me no gain progress not for them a free they my free me to reap success So me tell them ya Rappers is my money, no take that Only if it come from Joe, I'll accept that Not for them, I put the trust in and give me setback Yo, select up, will and pull up that Tell some wicked up But my me no fear them Anytime them cheat and chat, me no hear them Me dash a few hearts, so body queer them Me dash a few hearts, so tell them where them Not for them, I'm free, they my free me no gain progress, not for them a free They my free me to reap success, so me tell them yeah Yes, me know me have a lot of fake friends But me never woulda tap me woulda have fake family So me tell them straight, me no trust them Me no trust you and me no trust him Fake friend lost, lost bad mind in a real life star Me no rate that star, me no rate that Me real family woulda bust a million shot in a real life real, real not for them a free Them a free me no gain progress Not for them a free Them a free me no great success Not for them a free Them a free me no gain progress Not for them a free Them a free me no great success So me tell you yeah. Life, but they my hate and grudge and creep on mine They my move like Judas They my move like Judas Plus, everybody have a life to live So when they give one rat's clock Who I try judge me like them Chit and chat so what them want to say Cause none of them out there Now feed me Now them are free They my free me no gain progress Now for them are free They my free me no rape success Enough of them are free